You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. So uh, this week on the podcast, as we were uh, kicking around ideas of things to do, uh, we kind of recognize that every fall we talk about jumping back in the fall. And um, one of the things we kind of want to talk about is not falling into the rhythms of fall just because it's what we've always done, but maybe seeking new rhythms or uh, evaluating those rhythms and and all that fun stuff that comes with those conversations. And so, Zach, as you think about that, as you prepare for fall and a new appointment, just like me, uh, what are some things that, you know, are stirring up within you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a like Matt said, we have this conversation every year in some form or fashion. Um, there seems to be some seasonal things we do through the dog days of summer and and whatnot, but fall is one of those. But I think it's especially at least for the two of us now, but I think all of us in the church world and rhythms, because this fall feels very different than last fall. Because last fall, we were still trying to figure out COVID. Um, are we coming back? What are we doing? Are schools going back? What 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 is it going to be? And I don't know about you, Matt, there in Castle Rock, if, if you get this feeling, but even more of a sense of returning back to normal. There's kind of some newness and hope with the new pastor of what is before us and, and maybe resurrecting some things that we let retire through COVID or needed to let go of through COVID um, and, and things feeling a little bit more normal, back to normal, right? Uh, and I use that, that term sparingly. Um, but how do, we, how do we navigate that and all of those feelings and, and what the world has done the last two and a half years um, to what we're doing this fall and what feels right and good. And yeah, I, I would very much, I'm very much trying to lean heavily on what was the old rhythm, you know, cause I'm, I'm here, I'm learning, I'm trying to figure out what, what, what did we do and how did that work and how can we move and grow and expand into new rhythms and let some of the things stay retired that we retired through COVID and build on the foundations of of what we've had and then try new things that that's kind of where i'm at this fall um in kind of this perpetual state of just being in a new appointment of learning uh who my people are what they've enjoyed what the community is and then what how do we how do we intersect the need uh of all of that community church hopes and desires right so yeah um, and something I've been working with, uh, with them is that, you know, what worked, what didn't work, mm-hmm. um, what are some things you're willing to let go of if, um, if they weren't working or do we have people? I think the one thing too, mm-hmm. is that sometimes we forget, uh, we need people to do these things. And if there aren't, if the heart's not in it, um, if the heart's not in it, then, um, why do it? Yeah. You know, cause like, you're going to do other things. Uh, you're going to do other things that, you know, you love and care about, you know, um, I think if anything, this great, the great resignation uh, has taught us, or even the uh, uh, slow quitting has taught us is that 
you know, asking ourselves, are we doing what we really need to do to be the church? Uh, and what does that look like? And are we willing to let go of things that are not healthy for the health of our congregation? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those are good conversations to have and ask ourselves, do you love doing this? And if no one says, yes, I love doing this, this is something I'm passionate about, then why are we doing it? And then, right. and then the big encouragement that I'm trying to do uh, here is that our job is to train our replacements. And so we really mm-hmm. should be in an attitude of, you don't, we don't lone wolf things that we should be training our replacements right. so that if, if something were to occur where you can't be there or you've got COVID or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, it can be next person up and they know exactly what to do. Um, I think the church has fallen uh, severely uh, in the um, not training the next people up yes. and just letting people have control um, and, you know, I, I say that, you know, as a clergy person trying to instruct lay people to do that, um, you know, because I recognize that my time here is not forever and that, you know, if we can do some things where, uh, it's, it's a shared process, but yet we're training everybody to know what we're doing, then the why, which is important becomes mm-hmm. easy to understand and we don't get stuck. Right. Well, and maybe, um, yeah, we do. I I call it the two death rule here, uh, but we're we're shifting in and less of a grief aspect of that, and talking about it in terms of retiring to Florida uh, for folks that if they can't show up, they get sick, they actually move. Right? Um, we're not sunk. Uh, we're not left without leadership. And and maybe the bigger conversation here is uh, it, it sparked when you were talking about the transition that we have in the church. We don't often see um this big of a transition so quickly right so over the last two and a half three years we've done everything we did with covid and now we're transitioning back um we see these ebbs and flows over longer periods of time of where people come and go and communities change and things like that and then the church is left keeping up um but we've done that transition quickly now uh, where we stopped everything, we transitioned into digital and digital church and both and and uh, all of the things we did during COVID. We've uh, we're coming out of that and hopefully still doing the both and in a lot of places and and making that space vital and vibrant uh, all the ways that we can. But now now we're seeing that yeah our communities are different. We have different people, maybe less people, maybe more people. Um, people engage with us in a different way through technology now. And how do we take the, um, the needs of the church and community and the, the things that we want to do and remember that things are different now. Um, one of my favorite awarenesses that a church member gave me once uh, talking about youth ministry um, and somebody, you know, as we often do in, in church meetings, well, back in my day, you know, we had, 20, 30, 40, 50 youth and the parents did it all. And, you know, why can't we do that again? And this, this older gentleman simply said, Hey, that was 40 years ago. Remember we only had four churches in town, about three times as many people in population. The world's different. He was like, I counted it up the other day. There's 10 churches in town now and, you know, 45% less population. It's different. We live in a different world today and can't do the same things that we used to. And I, and I think that rings true today 
I, I think it rings true every day, but I think it's, it's something I think about in terms of, man, that rings really true today more so than it did two years ago, right? Things changed, have changed so quickly and changed the landscape of, of what we're doing and who we're doing it with that um, when we ask these questions and we look into our ministries and, and programs and stuff, we have to keep that, we have to keep that in mind uh, or else I think we, I think we have a really, I think we just beat up, beat our head against a brick wall. We don't need to, right? Of uh, the way we've always done it. Yeah, and um, you know the worst words are we've always done it this way, yeah. and th- that's the death of any organization. It doesn't matter if it's a church or a, mm-hmm. you know, I was a part of a civic club that did that too. That's right. the way we've always done it, and right. And even like I was being, I was asked to join a newer uh, civic club uh, in Colorado. And when I asked what my money went to, they were like, you know, they couldn't give me an answer. And I was like, well, I can't join an organization that I don't know where my money's going to. Right. Um, right. You know, uh, that's this basic stewardship, right? You know, and so um, I think we have to be cautious of all that stuff too, is to be aware of when we're saying those words, like, why are we saying that? Um, how does it fit into who we are? And um, if it is something we always do, that's fine. But we should always be out to improving it. I think far too often uh, we have an event and it goes well, and we're just going to do it the same way all the time. It doesn't matter, you know, what we, you know, dear Lord, let's don't change it. And uh, my favorite programming experience in the church is VBS. Mm-hmm. Um why does it have to be five days? Why does it have to be these things? Like, why right. do we have to spend all the money on it? Um, because the return on it's not all that great. Like when you look at it, the returns not all that great and more people end up angry because of it than, you know, <laughs> so is it really, right. you know, like what are some new ways that we could do vacation Bible school mm-hmm. that would look better and healthier for our society today? Um, you know, I, I think those things, I think those conversations should be happening in our churches that we need to be looking at things and saying, you know, like, okay, so this doesn't work anymore, or this went away. What can we do in spite of it to reach people, but to also like, you know, our job is to reach people and, mm-hmm. uh, how are we reaching people? Um, you know, I know, yeah, I know in my little college meetings that I've had with my congregation over the last week, I've had three and, um, it gets brought up every so often. Um, you know, when are you going to stop the online stuff? And I'm not yeah. like, that's, you know, that's the front door. I mean, I've got a whole long list of things I say when yeah. I'm asked that question, because right. I recognize the healthiness of it, but I also recognize that it allows people to be connected to their church in a new way that yes, it'd be great if everybody were in the sanctuary. I get that. But I also understand that there are a lot of things that are going on in our world today that prevent that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are we as a church going to do to respond to that? Are we going to say that not being in worship physically is a bad thing? Or are we going to say that being connected into worship is the way that we should have been all along? Right. Um, I think those are some things that churches have to wrestle with and and continue to work towards building and making things better. And I, and I, I feel like most of our churches are stuck in this 1970s, 50s, 80s, 90s models that don't work towards the relationship building that we should have been about all along. And we became too program heavy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of, I mean, I could go on and on for that stuff. So. Right. Well, and, and maybe, I mean, 
what a beautiful conversation about how the Holy Spirit surrounds us and calls us into presence with one another than how we do digital and physical ministry, right? And how those intersect and coincide with one another. And it's not an either or, but it's a it's a way to open up meaningful worship experiences for all people and all abilities and all life situations that otherwise for the folks that need, truly need, uh, and want to join us online can and are connected. And, and like I said, what a, what a, what an opportunity to talk about the Holy spirit and the Methodist church that we often probably glaze over. Right. Um, and, and don't talk enough about and, and how we're connected in, in those ways. Yeah. And so like, you know, one of the things that we're going to be working on here, and this came out of the meeting uh, on Monday that I thought was really cool, is we're going to work on looking at our congregation, mapping our congregation, and then um, appointing people to be the um, uh, either I, still working on terminology of things, but working on people to be the contact pastor of that area mm-hmm. so that if there's an issue or if they haven't been to worship, they're the ones that make that first call. And then if there are things that I need to know, the the per, the people in charge will let me know. And I'm looking at we're looking at doing two to three families for that, so that way we can co- have a big coverage area. And then we're translating that into worship too, is that we'll have um, section leaders for the for the sanctuary, um, so that way they know who's been in, the, in worship and you know those those mm-hmm. sort of things, like really working towards those relationships. So that way if they're if they are missing, hey, right. and if they're not checking in online. What's going on? Like, how can we, how can we help you? Um, yeah. You know, I, I, we definitely are moving in some of those directions. And, and I think that like, you know, you know, both of us are new in appointments. I think that first year is really just sitting back and letting them do their thing and listening. And, and, mm-hmm. and yes, I'm a big proponent of change and I love to change things and I will change things. Um, but I'm also, if they're happy and content, I shouldn't make my job harder. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's the one thing I've been saying is like, understand the changes I'm going to make are going to be incremental and small and not, you know, no one's going to really flip their lid, uh, too much. Um, although I did change the bulletin last week, but with rave, <laughs> rave reviews for both right. services, right. Um, the second service complained a little bit that I didn't put a sermon note section in for them. So they're getting a sermon note section this week. Right. You know, um, that's what good hospitality, that's what good, um, hospitality and, um, you know, that stuff looks like it's not catering to just the loud voices, but it's a discerning. Is that something worth putting mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like, yeah, like if people are wanting to take sermon notes then yeah, let me get that space for them. Um, right. And so, you know, I, th- I want to encourage our people and our listeners that are listening, whether you're, um, you know, a lay minister, you're, you're lay minister, you know, um, you're, you know, your lady in ministry. So you're a lay minister, in my opinion, um, or you're a clergy person. Um, you know, I would encourage you just to discern, uh, what you all need to do to be healthy and be willing to, to do the things that you need to do to be healthier, but not kill yourself to try to do too many things. I think we try to do right. too many things. So. Right. Yeah. How do we avoid burnout in the midst of this? Yeah, for sure. Very good. I, that's a great place to land Matt. Uh, and just, where are we, who we called to be, and how can we be in service as uh, as the church to our community? Love it. That's a great way to fall back in the fall. And so uh, <laughs> with that in mind, I uh, want to encourage our listeners to go to our website at beardedtheologians.com, uh, where you can check out all of our great material and all this stuff and, you know, uh, you know those sort of things. So for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. Uh, I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out.
was one in the series. Guys, I want you to subscribe and like this video. And put that thumbs, push that thumbs up. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.